Welcome to episode 26 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. The podcast is also on Stitcher and Spotify, so please give it a follow on Spotify. For today's amendments, I only have one thing. I incorrectly said that my father is 64 years old and he promptly gave me a call and corrected me and he said he is only 63. He will be 64 next year. I want to keep this intro short because I want you guys to hear Dez's story. If you guys are dealing with depression or anxiety, there is no reason to keep it to yourself. There are plenty of resources out there and if you don't have somebody to reach out to, reach out to me and I will talk to you about it. You'll hear Des tell a little bit about her story, and you'll hear me talk a little bit about my story. Without further ado, here is episode 26 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, welcome to episode 26 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. I might have my biggest fan on, because I think you guys have listened to all the episodes. But my guest today is Desiree Gibb. Des, how's it going? Good, thank you. Good. Um, what have you been up to today? Um, today, I went to work, and we are prepping for uh, online school to start next week. So all day, we pretty much were prepping iPads for our students. Okay. Uh, making sure that they could log in. So we were acting as a student to try and avoid any tech hiccups that they might encounter um just prepping like their login codes just trying to provide as many resources for them so that while they're at home uh they can actually log on and function and learn yeah nice so So you are a teacher yes what what grade do you teach i am a fifth grade teacher okay for which school district Uh, nampa school district okay Mm -hmm. awesome yeah this is my first year teaching so it's kind of a thank you it's kind of an interesting uh school year interesting first year to be a teacher Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's wild and i wanted to ask you a bunch of questions about it but Mm -hmm. like how has it been so far did you guys just start this week no we well teachers went back uh about a week earlier than students so students actually don't go live online until monday the 24th so our district um did a delayed start And that delayed start basically just gave us teachers enough time to be able to prep devices, plan a little bit differently since we're not planning for in-classroom learning. Yeah. Uh, And we're doing more of that like online learning. So our district's doing the first two weeks online and then they're just going to reassess, I think, every couple of weeks. And it's depending on they're using like a color system like red is what we are right now so it's fully online yellow will be a little bit of hybrid where we'll kind of do like an a b schedule so we'll have like i have 21 students so i'd have 11 in the classroom one day while the other 11 were at home learning and then they'd flop and then um if we get the green go ahead then we'll go back to in-person learning gotcha so so when you when you're in the yellow would Mm -hmm. it be the 11 students that are in the class are learning the same thing on the same day or do you kind of flip-flop or do you know yet (sighs) no i don't really know yet and i think that's one of like the challenges that we've encountered is you know obviously it'd be five days a week so that's not really an even number so we're thinking like wednesdays is kind of like everyone's just at home so like if eight a students come in on monday 
Um, I think we're, that's what we're trying to figure out. Like what will B-Day students be doing at home? Something that they had learned from the previous Friday? Oh, or, yeah. Because um, obviously we want to be able to teach them the same content at a similar pace. Um, but I think that's one of those like trials that we'll just have to come when and if we get to that. I know some school districts are currently in hybrid mode, but... Um, it's almost like you could do like a lab ish mm-hmm. thing for them at home. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter if they did the lesson or not yet in person. Yeah. Cause we had labs like that when yeah. I was in college. Like it didn't matter if you had gone to class yet or not. You just go get the lab. Out right. Of the way. Yeah. So I think a lot of it would be like getting them ready either. Like if they're at home and we're giving them some sort of like precursor, like, um, you know, read this chapter or something. Then when you come into the classroom, we'll have discussions, or whatever it may be. So I think it's something where then when they do come in the classroom, we're saying use your prior knowledge or what you learned when you, or what the activity was that we gave you to do while you were at home. Gotcha. So that they're actually being like the time is beneficial at home. Cause that's also what we've kind of struggled with is we're going from teaching in a classroom setting for like six hours a day of learning. That's just not possible for students to sit. I personally can't even sit in front of a screen and learn for six hours. Yeah, I have to take breaks. Yeah, so asking a 10-year-old student to sit in front of a computer and either watch me live teach or watch videos or, you know, do some sort of, like, lesson at home, it's it's just near, it's impossible. So our district set, um, like, a minimum and then a maximum. So at minimum... It is based on grade level. Um, so at our fifth graders will, at a minimum, learn online like content, like actual curriculum for an hour or up to two hours a day. So our kind of philosophy is like, well, let's start them at two hours. And then that way, like we can show them like, see, it's possible. Yeah, like you yeah. can do it. And then if we need to kind of like pull back a little on how much time we're actually spending on the computer with them. Um, and when I say on the computer, I also say like, we're actually going to be like teaching live. Um, and to make it a little bit more diverse for students that might not be able to join on at certain times, we're pre we're like recording our lessons, not pre recording them. Um, but then we'll be able to upload them. So if there are students that can only do school at night, Mm -hmm. then they still have that flexibility. So is that the students that can only do it at night is because like their parents are working and Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be many like multiple factors. I mean, the biggest like hump we've kind of like knocked out of the way is that providing them with a device and also with internet. So we've also, um, if they needed a hotspot, uh, they're able to pick those up tomorrow along with their device. So, that challenge is kind of out of the way, but I think if someone's at night school, it's either they have like dual income household and so they don't have anyone kind of watching them and saying like, you need to get on this time. Yeah. So a parent may come home and say, okay, you know, let me sit down with you and let's, you know, check off what you needed to do today. Um, I mean, there's so many factors. If they go somewhere else, like they're going to some sort of daycare or something like that. Um so just giving them that flexibility where they honestly might not be able to, I'm sure there's kids that are probably going to work with their parents yeah. or whatever it may be. So just trying to provide as much flexibility. If they're sick that day, then the lessons are recorded so they can go back and still feel like they're included in the lessons and in the classroom and um, they can hear their and see their classmates' faces and voices. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Debbie and I have talked a little bit about this. I think this is going to be super detrimental to kids like social lives Mm -hmm. and like how, I mean, I don't know what, at what point in your life you start learning social cues and like building your social sphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's in middle school or high school or earlier than that, but I mean, I feel like they're going to miss out on a big part of school, which is just learning how to be around people. Yeah. So what, we're focusing on for like the first two weeks of school is we're not even diving into any like curriculum the first two weeks of online school. Um, We're really focusing on like, you know, kind of the rules of like virtual learning, like what's expected of you. And, and we have kids that, I mean, we're preparing them for middle school next year. So, Mm. you know, the first two weeks is really just like, what are the, you know, what's expected of you? Like how, is online school going to work? Here's what your schedule is going to look like. Cause it's going to be different than them just showing up at, you know, eight 15 and leaving at like three forty. Yeah. Um, and then alongside with that is really that social emotional learning, because that is something that they're not going to be getting it in. I mean, they will get it in the virtual classroom, but it'll be completely different than like physically interacting or being on the playground with your friends. So we're really trying to hit that hard. I think our district in general is really trying to hit that hard that this is hard for us, but it's also really hard for kids in a completely different way. And um, we have a lot of kids that come from very like broken homes or, and that could be I mean, multiple senses of broken homes, whether they are living with a guardian or they have three families in one home and school sometimes is the most, well, majority of the time is the most stable place for them. It provides the most structure. It's where they get their meals. It's where they have adults in their lives that they trust and they know that give them unconditional love and they're lacking those things from home. And so you know, how can we make sure that our students are okay when we aren't there? We're not going to physically see them and yeah. be able to talk to them. And, and that's what I, I don't know if it was you or Taylor who was telling me about this, but it might have been you where teachers are the people who find out the most about like if kids mm-hmm. are being abused or neglected and stuff. Yep. And if they're like that small minority of children are having mm-hmm. to stay home all the time and they're not getting an escape from that hostile environment. I mean, that's just another reason that this situation situation sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I've in and I've only been I obviously this is my first year teaching, but I student you had to student teach. And so I got a little bit of like the mixture of when I was student teaching, I was in the classroom for actually three months and then COVID hit. So my last like month and a half of student teaching was online. So I was able to kind of dabble in both. But I, I mean, I have had students come to me and say, and they'd only known me for three weeks, but I was warm. I was welcoming I was inviting. Um, I provided structure for them. They knew exactly what to expect of me. Like at 10 o'clock, we are transitioning and we're going to go to small group centers. And so it was a lot of like trust. They knew what to expect. And I have had students tell me that they were being abused in some way and they've only known me for three months but yeah yeah, it is so true that in the classroom um the teacher for most of our students is the most stable person in their lives yeah yeah i remember um i remember really really liking like my third grade fourth grade and fifth grade teachers Mm -hmm. and i i mean i came from a good home it's not like i had stuff to tell them about but they like i was very trusting of them you know yeah 
Yeah. Well, and I think when you're a kid too, I mean, you, you look at grownups and you're like, oh, you're this like superhero, like you're, you're totally invincible. And, you know, you're looking up to your teacher you're like, whoa, she's a teacher. It's so cool. So I think they, you know, they, they kind of see teachers as like this amazing, like superhero and somebody that is always there to like give them a hug or, you know, praise them or help them when they're going through a challenging situation, whether it be something on the playground, something at home or something assignment related that were their biggest champions. And so it's going to be quite a difference trying to be that person for them or continuing to be that person for them, but through a computer. Virtual. Yeah. 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 I, I was just thinking too, middle school and high school, how much I learned how to like organize myself too because you get five minutes in between your classes Mm -hmm. and then you go to your locker, you swap books, like you have to be prepared and then taking notes and studying like that whole aspect of school, I feel like is, is better to prepare someone for life than the actual content that they're learning. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not only teaching, we're not only educating them in, you know, certain subjects where it's life skills. That's, it's essentially what we're teaching them. We're teaching them how to like, transition from like one you know well a lot of times we'll have them sit at desks and because they do have shorter attention spans we need to get them up and move them to okay everybody put your books away put them in your desk and come to the carpet and we're teaching them to transition in an orderly fashion in a quick fashion and we're also teaching them how to interact and how to get through conflict. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, te- we're teaching them life skills. And yeah. If they have an issue with like another student, yep. how do you resolve yeah. it? How do you resolve that? What's the right way to do it? What's the wrong way to do it? Mm-hmm. And um, not just giving them the answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sis. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so. that's cool. And I, yeah, I just think back about some of the experiences I had in school and it was like, I butted heads with kids, you know, yeah. and you got to figure out how to deal with it and you're going to be with them for the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. you have to figure it out. And yep. yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I'm sure. I don't know. We might not see that much as much anymore now that it's virtually like bullying or, I mean, I definitely think that that still exists outside of school. Like, don't get me wrong. Especially. I, in... I couldn't even imagine having social media when I was a kid. No. Yeah. I'm, I wish I don't, I wish I didn't even have it now as an adult sometimes. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh man, why, why did I have to get into this? Because it's so nice when you are on it, like how much you actually pay attention to just life in general. Yeah. So that, that's half the reason, like half the reason I wanted to start the podcast was because I just like interacting with people mm-hmm. and I say, put your freaking phone away. Let's just yeah. chat. Um, and it sucks that it happened like it sucks that I got this started during COVID. Yeah. Like I wish I would have started it way sooner because it's cool. It's like, I don't know. It's actually interacting with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's weird for some people. Like, I mean, it's not weird for me, but I know that there's those people that are so like attached to their phone that when they do put it down, they have like anxiety because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to function yeah. without my phone. I only yeah, know how to look at my phone and like comment on people and get likes and comments from other people that make me feel better. And then they go out into the real world. And, and you don't have that crutch with yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I know um, my oldest sister, Jenny, mm-hmm. has started doing, I think it's either 24 or 48 hours, 
like every weekend or every other weekend, she'll just put her phone away and she won't even touch it. And she'll do like a phone blackout period. Mm, that's amazing. Where she'll just live life without her phone. So. Yeah. I, I bet think, that like is so like therapeutic for her yeah, in some way. Totally. But I, it's so I think it's so hard for us. Like even you would have, I think so many of us would have to put, like put away like our smart watches oh, yeah. and even some things in our house that we have that would, I mean, you can literally get a message that can pop up anywhere. I don't even have to have my phone and somehow on my watch or like, like on a, my computer. Alexa tells you. you have Seriously. A <laughs> yeah. I, I hate it. I haven't gotten a watch. Debbie and I are still living in 2010 with like our TV and stuff. Stay there. Yeah. And I don't, and I have my computer, but I use my computer for work stuff and then mm-hmm. like the podcast stuff and then stuff yeah. outside of work, like hobbies, but nothing like to stay connected. I don't have Facebook or Instagram on my computer. That's good. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I think I got to the point where I was paying too much attention to the news mm-hmm. and that actually started giving me a little anxiety and I, I got addicted to it. Like I wanted to know what was happening each day mm-hmm. and it's just funny. The days that I do that. I feel more anxious and like in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. And then if I just throw on like some hip hop and like when I'm driving in the car, it puts me in such totally a better mood. Yes. Yep. Totally. Yeah. 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 I feel you. All right. What'd you bring? Okay. I want to preface <laughs> this because I was a little late to this podcast. And the only reason I was late is because I went to three different gas stations. Oh shit. In my car, I have like a, little gift bag uh-huh. and i was going to put something in there and give it to you as okay. your drink and none of the gas stations had this drink <laughs> okay i was going to ice you oh no way but <laughs> i want to enjoy a drink on the podcast well i also was going to bring something okay. good too but okay. i was just gonna buy i didn't want to buy like a six pack because i'm like smirnoff ices are disgusting yeah and i just was looking for like a single one and the three gas stations I went to, they didn't even have a six pack. I feel they like, didn't have a single one. I feel like the single so, ones that you would get at a gas station are like 32 ounces. I know, but you're, you're a big boy. I'm so. a 32 ounce boy. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd, be, you'd totally be just fine. Yeah. So I was like, dang it. And I told Tristan before I left, I was like, I'm going to go to the gas station. I was like, I'm going to ice Spencer. And he's like, that's so smart. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, now and everyone's going to fucking do it. <laughs> nobody can do it because I called it. Yeah. Uh, that's why I wanted to say that because if anyone ever did it, I wanted to be like, dang it, that was well, my idea. I, I, I but anyone to, can do it. I want it to be, and I, I I, actually might get away from the drinking thing depending on like how many podcasts I'm doing. Yeah. Because I feel like I've been drinking a lot. Especially if, didn't you say on one of the other podcasts you did like five in a week? Yes. And, but it's not like. I mean, that's not horrible. Sometimes I'll just have one beer. So it's not like I'm. Well, only brought us each a twenty-two ounce. So yeah, but like with my sister, she brought she brought me like a huge forty, and then she brought you like a. Didn't you guys play the little roulette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. drinking roulette. Yeah, but that's your sister. <laughs> I know. You it's have to fun. Do that. Sometimes it's fun. I'll get goofy with people. Like yeah. my dad made Long Island iced teas, and I feel like dude. It was, it was remember when we listened to your dad's podcast? Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if people, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to promote that. <laughs> Listening we can to, just leave it as that. We know what happened. It was funny. Yeah, but I got to give some context to people. If you listen to podcasts, I didn't know that you could I do this. I didn't know either. On the, at least on the Apple Podcast app, you can listen to it like two times speed, which mm-hmm. I know Tristan does. He just like flies through them. <gasps> but you can also lif- listen to it at like half speed mm-hmm. and it makes it sound like the people have something wrong with them. They <laughs> sound like they are 
very drunk. We sounded, my dad and I sounded wasted. And it was like, yeah, so if you make these long islands. Yeah, my dad was like, your mom and I love you so much. Uh, It was so good. It was hilarious. It happened by accident, though. We we were going, we were going to Grand Jean and... Tristan, like you said, loves to listen to his podcast on like, it's like time 16 and it gives me so much anxiety. I can't. They I, are so fast and it's like Joe Rogan and it's like, and I'm just like, can you just put it back to normal? And he accidentally slid the thing <laughs> all the way to the left. And then we honestly listened to probably 15 minutes of your podcast in slow <laughs> mo because it was so funny. We were oh laughing so hard. I don't think I've laughed that hard when we were over at your house and we listened we only listened to like three minutes of it but it was the best three minutes it was, ever it's yeah, hilarious. It was hilarious i need to go back and do that with some other podcast all right i'm hey, excited to see it's not really that great honestly whatever it's on it's like not okay the, picking a beverage was really hard for me because well what's your favorite beverage is it your favorite beverage? i don't know no okay. it is i mean i drink it regularly okay i'll show you i brought michelob ultras Ooh. and the only reason i love these is because they're like chill on the calories yeah, 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 and they're just easy and tristan kind of got me into them my aunt used to drink them when we were growing up and i was always like that looks like shit beer yeah i'm kind of is but it's still good uh i am having a really hard time i was talking to taylor about this oh, here's yours thank you You're welcome. uh taylor and i were talking outside of school uh-huh about drinking and cheers oh. <coughs> cheers we are, I'm over White Claws. I'm over seltzers. I'm over, I'm just over. I feel like I've drank every single one of them and they're bleh. And. Have you, have you had the lemonade one? The, the, the truly I don't like them. They're too syrupy. My mom brought those this weekend and I was like mixing them with like LaCroix because oh. I was like, they're just so syrupy. I feel like and they taste like candy. I love them. But, but I guess so I, many of them. I was like, no, I've never, I don't think I've ever actually drinking, drank a whole one. I've, uh. I don't know. I've just had sips of my wife's. And yeah. Yeah. I think they're delicious. They're but. really good. But like after one, then you're just like, okay, I'm over this. So. I don't know if I've ever had a Michelob Ultra. Uh, well, normally I mean, they're like, like 95 calories. Which yeah. is, but this is a. <laughs> it's a big one. 25 ounce though. Um, yeah. It kind of tastes like your standard uh, light beer. I'm a light beer so fanatic. I'm, yeah. I'm, I used to like love IPAs. And just all sorts of beer. And then now if I have one, I'm like, ugh, this is yeah. heavy. Yeah. And I, I still really, really enjoy them. Like, yeah, I don't mind them. But I'll go out and have, you know, if I go to Payette, I'll do mm-hmm. the whatever, the fly line or whatever it's called. And uh, fly line's a light beer, isn't it? Maybe it's not the fly line. I don't know what they're, or rustler. The rustler, or there's like the blood orange rustler. Yeah, I do yeah. like that, dabbling in that one. Yeah. While, but. but like people that, and I know, okay, if my cousin Matt is listening to this, he texted me after Abby and I were talking on the podcast about this. But I feel like some people get so pretentious about their beer that it's like, it like kind of bugs me. It does. Yeah. Like, you're a beer snob. Chill. <laughs> um, I do like going to uh, Barbarian, though, and yes. trying, because they have like 50 different beers. I really like sours a lot, but I really have to be in the mood for it, like... And I just wasn't, I was really struggling today to find a 
beverage <laughs> in. I just I'm was like, I'm going to go with my old faithful. I, I thought you were maybe going to bring wine. Dude, honestly, I was going to. Yeah. Dang it. It's okay. I've only had one person bring wine I was so going to bring... I was going to bring like a red like cab or something. And then I was like, maybe I'll bring like a, like a really dry rosé. Yeah. And I just, uh, yeah. Next time. Really dropped the ball, Des. I seriously did. I'm <laughs> no up with, brought my Michelob Ultras, dude. Dude, I love, uh, I love light beer. I told you. Um, so my buddy Carlo, did you listen to that podcast? He's from South Africa. Not yet. And I I've, haven't listened to that one. What's the girl from Pie Hole Kiwi? Yes. Kiwi. I haven't listened to hers. And then the one you just... Was it Drax? No, I listened to Drax. It okay. was right after Drax. Uh, David. David. So Yeah, um, my buddy from from college who's a cop now. Um, dude, he was telling me... Oh, the guy that lost all the weight. Yes, he's lost a shitload of yeah. weight. And it's cool to hear like his mentality and story about it. Um, but he was also telling me about um, handling canines. He's Ooh. he's a dog cop for Meridian. So he always has a canine with him? Always has a canine with him. And he used to have a yellow lab that was a drug dog. And then the dog, like, quote unquote, retired. And his family just gets the dog. Like, they're so if close. I burp, can anyone hear me? Because I just breathed into it. Yeah, burp, burp and blow away. Don't burp like well, right Well, I wasn't going to go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to, like, do it under my breath. Um, but then, so... His dog retired, and now that's their family dog. He's got a wife and two little girls. And then their new dog is a German Shepherd, and it's like a bite dog. Like, it's like that kind of... Does he take that dog home, or do they stay... Yes, he takes it home. Okay. Yeah. They have to, like, do everything together. Because it's it's like the dog has to trust him in, like, any situation ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really cool hearing him talk about it. That's so cool. And he said he would do it for free. Like, that's how much he likes it. Aw, that's so special. I don't know a lot of people. He would do his job for free? Well, he would do the canine stuff for free. Oh, okay. Um, which, yeah, he probably shouldn't tell the city of Meridian that because... They're all, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fired. No, 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 You're no, going to no. be a volunteer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so like, cool. Be I, like those old dudes, the old Boise police volunteers that patrol the campus at BSU. Oh Have you seen them? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's so cool. I don't know a lot of people that would say that they would do their job for free that that's what made me like watching him talk about it it was the coolest thing in the world because i haven't met a lot of people like that like there's i don't think that there are a lot of people like that i mean ben is one well of them. that that's oh like God. one person that i Seriously, can think of off the top you, are, of my head. you are so right he would a thousand percent do his job for free yeah i think debbie would probably do her job for free too she, yeah, I could see that. she almost feels like an obligation to like help people you know Aww. so I don't That's know. So cute. Yeah, it is cute. That's so her though. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I don't know if if you want to delve into this, <laughs> um, but yeah. I so something I've been talking about a lot on the podcast is mental health stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I've been trying to be fairly open with it because yeah. a lot of football players have issues when they're done playing, mm-hmm. and I don't know a lot of guys that talk about it. And the more people I do talk to about it, it's it's fairly it's, common. Yeah, it's less taboo than I think we assume that it is. Yeah. I mean, for like football guys, though, it's like a manly yeah. man. Like, oh, I don't yeah. want to talk about my feelings and mm-hmm. stuff. But we're all human. We have feelings. Yeah. So. No, I I know that in the last couple of podcasts I listened to, you uh, started off one, I think, where you reference like the suicide hotline. Oh yeah. And then I really liked the one where you said like call your parents. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate 
you saying those things. Yeah. Because it's so true. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I feel like I hit a point in my life to where I realized like I need to spend more time with my parents and mm-hmm. I kind of had a revelation about my job and stuff. And we were mm-hmm. talking about this before, but I don't want to yeah. delve too far into that. But, um, I've also been trying to spend way more time with my parents recently. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I mountain biked a lot with my parents when I was little. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I went through a long period where like I didn't because of football and stuff, but yeah. I'm getting back into it. Cause it's a, it's just a fucking awesome excuse to go hang out with my yeah, dad. Something you guys have in common and that you guys can share and do it together. Yeah. 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 So, um, well how, I mean, how did your stuff come up? Cause you, I mean, I, I just kind of knew you as the gal that was very open about talking about anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that it actually did help me to kind of realize that I had anxiety about stuff mm-hmm. and that it wasn't taboo. Like, yeah, it's fairly common it's for so people common. to have. Yeah. Yeah. But like, when did you start to recognize it or? Mm, so I would say that I, I think I was the same as you. I didn't realize that I had anxiety until can't remember somebody whether it was like my therapist or somebody had said like well sounds like anxiety and I remember like growing up and it wasn't really something that as a kid or in school that we really talked a lot about mental health I mean anxiety and depression it was like I think we just thought it was like you picture somebody that's really sad or like somebody like who isn't just a normal person and we had a different picture in our head of what that that person would look like and um so i started going to counseling when i was like 22 i want to say okay um just kind of like on my own accord i was just like i feel like i like i mean obviously coming off of being 21 like was drinking a lot and i would realize that sometimes when i drink i would i would become very angry and i really didn't understand why but I figured that there obviously was some sort of reason. So I started going to counseling kind of on and off um, from 22 and and I'm currently still in counseling. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a counselor that had said, well, do you think maybe you like your RPM runs really high? And um, I was like, well, yeah, because I pick stressful jobs. I when things in my life are quote unquote, stable and normal, I find I get to a point where I'm like, I'm bored. I don't, this is boring. I need to like find some way to like. Have more like stimulation or. Yeah, yeah. in a way sort of like self-sabotage, self-sabotage or fuck it up in some way. And um, <laughs> it comes, it sounds like the weirdest I just, thing. I just pictured you like to shove Tristan. <laughs> No. What are you gonna do, dude? Come on, you little bitch! <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. no. I know. I'm... Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but I think it. What I've learned is that it comes from. It's something that it's like your it's like your fight or flight response and something that is molded and ingrained in my brain from a childhood. And I didn't have. I mean, I had a roof over my head. I had food on the table. I had two parents in the household and I had two sisters. So you look at my family and it looks totally picture perfect. And a lot of it was. But I had what is kind of known as like emotionally immature parents. So I, my parents had me when they were 22, which I know was a lot of 
people our age, their parents had us young. But my parents were not, they were also trying to figure out who they were and figure out their own trials while also trying to be married to one another, raise three kids. And so while I had a roof over my head and I, and I'm so thankful for that and I had food on the table, I lacked or my didn't get a lot of the emotional connection because my parents they were they weren't able to give it to us they they didn't really even know how to like fix themselves per se so when my counselor said you you tend to run on a higher rpm and when it starts to to drop you you're like i'm used to running on like high like cortisol levels and which makes sense why i have anxiety because i actually am in a way sort of addicted to that feeling of like being really stressed and like even though when I'm in a stressful situation I'm like ah this is so stressful I work the best under that type of pressure and it stems a lot from my childhood from and I'm the oldest and I've read things and studied things about how like birthplace your birth order sort of changes all of that but growing up I was a lot of times played a parental role for myself or for my siblings and so as you think like a seven-year-old girl growing up and your parents can't be there for you emotionally in some ways um, when you needed them because they're trying to they're stressed out themselves or they're fighting because marriage is rough being in a relationship is really rough you're still at the end of the day you're two people you're trying to figure yourselves out and um, so have I think I've had anxiety for a very long time and I also have been diagnosed with depression and I know there's a like a debate on whether that's like genetic or whether it could be like situational and and I think it can be a little bit of both um I come from a family that like genetically there's a lot of mental illness on my dad's side of the family um and I struggle with depression And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know why. There are just some days I'm just sad. And there are some days I just feel like hopeless. And I can't explain it. And it's not something I, and some, you know, I wish I could just flip a switch and turn it off. And, you know, you have have people say, well, what do you have to, to be depressed about? And it's like, well, sometimes I don't really know. It's just how I feel. I mean, it's an emotion just as sometimes you're sad if you go through something or you're happy because you're experiencing something really amazing in your life um so i just kind of found all this stuff out about myself through therapy and um some sort of like self-awareness and then became very like passionate i felt really alone i felt like i was like oh my gosh i'm the only one going through this but at the end of the day i knew that i I'm typically this person that's really bubbly and I love people and I'm like how can I be this person and also simultaneously be this person who struggles with depression and anxiety but really both can exist and I think that's where there's a misconception about what depression or what anxiety looks like it looks like everyone yeah you know and I think that we have we grew up I, I say we I mean people in our age group and I even think a lot of it in my parents era um was so like it wasn't really well known and also it was like you're the man you're not allowed to be like sad let's let's cope by drinking a lot and um 
you know, it just wasn't really like talked about. So I was like, gosh, I feel so alone. And I feel like I'm the only one going through this. And so I started kind of just like talking about it and people were reaching out and saying like, I'm also going through this too. And, um, and, it, and it's become, I think really like a popular conversation just in our culture in general, like yeah. mental health. And, um, I think that also helps as well to come forward and be brave to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, I have a lot of things that I want to talk about after you said that. It, it's interesting that you said running on a high RPM mm-hmm. and then getting away from that causes you to feel a weird certain way and like crave that stimulus again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, I think football does that for guys. Oh, for sure. And because you're in that high stress situation for you know four plus years. And then all of a sudden you're away from it and there's none of that stress on you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like you do crave, you know, the coach yelling at you yeah. or the goals that you're trying to achieve or, and I've talked about this before, but there's like always that overarching goal over you as a football player. I just want to get better at football. And so mm-hmm. you make all these decisions towards that goal. And then once that goal has gone, it's like you don't really have direction and you don't know what to do. And yeah. it's, I think it's the same for firefighters. I think it's the same for cops. I think it's the same for guys in the military, yep. men and women. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you get back from a deployment that's like very stressful, I get why dudes would want to go back. It's yeah. like, I can't just sit in my house and like watch TV and pretend everything's cool. Like yeah. I want to be back in that situation where there's a goal the whole time, you know? Yeah. You're, you're running at a higher RPM. You're working towards something and, I think that, I mean, it, like you said, it makes sense why people, it's it's an addiction. I mean, we're all craving it in some way. I guess maybe I wouldn't say it's an addiction, but it's a craving. It's a need that we're like trying to fulfill. And unfortunately, I think sometimes people pick up bad habits and use it to try and either like depress that feeling to calm themselves down or, I mean, I guess you pick it up and like drug habits that are like uppers or something or I don't know whatever it could be something where it's like you're like a thrill seeker like something because it's a quick like rush of adrenaline and if you are somebody that runs at like a higher rpm that's such a good feeling for you like and then once you start to come off of it you're like oh well I'm bored like I got to do something to like spice it up and so so yeah it's I don't know I just I so I, I think I'm, I get pretty anxious about stuff and I do have that depression feeling like mm-hmm. it, it does happen to me mm-hmm. every once in a while, like maybe once a month or once every yeah. couple months, but it, it is like an overwhelming wave and it hits me and it's like, it's weird. It, yeah, it is weird. And I, you know, I went through it recently and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why it is, but I can look at things objectively for sure. And I, Luckily, I have a support system. I have yes. an awesome wife, awesome family, the CrossFit community, all those things. Um, but for someone who doesn't have that support system, mm-hmm. if I had that feeling and I had none of those things around me, I could understand why people make decisions they make or they turn to drugs or alcohol or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so that that's what kind of scares me about those situations. And that's why I've been open about talking about the football stuff because – when I got done with football and I had, you know, some issues transitioning into like the 
quote unquote normal, normal world, life. Yeah. Um, I had that support system around me and I had good people around me and I worry about those guys that didn't have that, you know, or maybe they didn't quite fit in with everyone. They didn't have a good group of friends or whatever. And, uh, and I just hope like if somebody's listening to the podcast, they can reach out. Like I've been very open about that. Like I want people to call me, Yes. you know? So, yeah. Well, and I think that you said, I mean, I think just people talking about it, because you said, I didn't really know that I had anxiety. I also didn't really know like what it was. I And now I look back on it, I'm like, oh God, well, I've been anxious my whole entire life. Yeah. But I didn't really know what it was. Or that feeling of depression where you said sometimes you experience it like once a month. That's normal. Yeah. And it's, it's a feeling. And we are human beings. We're meant to feel things. Everyone, I think, is so caught up in like feeling happy and portraying this happy and like wonderful life. And it's like, but also we can have and we're allowed and we will and we can have times of sadness times of grief times of where you just you feel depressed you just you don't feel like doing anything and it's you're like i don't know why i know i should but i just i'm not feeling i'm not feeling like myself today and and that's okay i mean it's it's not uncommon and i think people think it is but then you just people coming out of the woodworks just like I'm feeling this way or I've also felt this and I'm so glad you said something because now I like can realize what it is. And I also, you know, if you don't speak up, I think a lot of times like we beat ourselves up so often where we just think like, oh, I felt this way or I I have really bad anxiety or gosh, I just, I I feel so sad. Like I don't want to live anymore. And when you harbor that inside of you, it, it eats you alive. And then you just end up going down like this, like rabbit hole and, it can turn into like, well, I'm a shitty person or whatever it is. Like I'm not doing enough for my family or like my spouse is going to leave me because I'm feeling depressed or something like that. I mean, I just think that talking about it is is really where it starts. But that's also the hardest thing for people to do is to admit that sometimes we're sad people and it's okay. I think a barrier to talking about depression is the fact that there's, such a wide range of what you experience, like what a person yes, can experience. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've, I'm not going to say who this person was, but I know a medical clinician who was telling me that to be clinically depressed, like to be diagnosed as clinically depressed, it has to like affect your life to the point where you can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like it, like it'll affect your job. And, <clears throat> and I argued with him, like it's not, I think depression, you can be depressed and still function. I am, I can totally attest to that because I I am that person. Like I've never had depression so bad where hmm, I guess I felt like I didn't want to get out of bed, but I've been like, get up and just take a shower. If that's all you do is you get up and you take a shower, it's okay. Like, or go to the gym or even if you just get up and like walk from the bedroom and you go outside and sit like, but Yes, I mean, I freaking lost my train of thought. I just don't, I, I don't like that because it's a medical term. Yeah. It's a barrier for people. Like, it's like, oh, I can't be depressed because I do get up every day and I'm no. able to go to work. But like, I do That's that. functional depression yeah, yeah, is yeah. what it is. You, yeah. you can still, you can still function. But, and I think that that's a lot of what we see, honestly, is that um, people who get up, people who go to work, 
They have families. They have hobbies. But they are hurting so badly. And they, they're masking they're masking it because we don't want to feel like a failure for for whatever other reason it is. But I think there's a lot of people that it's, we're on autopilot. We get up, we do this because why? Because we have to. But if you were to give them a chance to just say like, no, you don't have to do this today. I think most people would be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. But I mean, that's functional depression. I have like people have fun, like functional anxiety. I mean, we can still exist because we have to, but it doesn't mean that we're not hurting so badly inside and we're not struggling. Yeah. And a lot of times because we're functioning and we have to function, instead of sitting down and addressing like the root of our depression or the root of our anxiety, like why is it happening? There's some reason we are masking it by drinking or being super, super busy so we never have to take that moment where we sit and we think like, why am I feeling this way? Or yeah. to feel that sadness. So, and we live in such like a fast-paced world that it's so easy for us to not ever address it. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, I, it's not that I self-diagnose this sure. stuff, but I tend to separate my feeling of depression when that wave comes over me because I don't experience it that often. But I definitely know when it happens, mm-hmm. and I separate that from the anxiety thing because. I think anxiety to to me myself how I like describe it is worrying about something that's not going to happen. Yep. And <laughs> the way that this came into my life and I kind of realized that I was I would get anxious about things is public speaking because mm. in my last role at work I had to do a ton of public speaking and I I would get that fight or flight feeling where it's like once I get into it and I start talking, I'm totally fine. But it's before that it's where your heart starts pumping Mm -hmm. and it's like, you like I would get out of breath a little bit. Um, and I always thought that that that's how I described anxiety was worrying that I was going to like screw up or sound stupid Mm -hmm. or something. But then once you get rolling, like I was always fine yeah. once I just hopped right into but it. But it's that like initial right before that made you really anxious and nervous. But it's like, what the hell was I worrying about? I don't know what I what that anxiety was being caused by, you know. That's anxiety. What the hell was I worrying about? Yeah. yeah. Why was I stressed about something that may or may not even happen? Yeah. But that's anxiety. Yeah. Looking so, forward in the future. I uh, I did a bunch of stuff to try to help me with that and I looked up techniques and I would practice yeah. things and I actually, I joined Toastmasters. Do you, oh, yeah. do you know what that uh-huh. is? Yeah. I, I told Tristan about That's that. That's so cool. And Tristan's like, dude, my grandpa used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which my grandpa used to do it too. It is kind of like a, like I remember I never did it, but in the job I had before uh, in that building, they would have like Toastmasters yeah. and it was always like a bunch of like old guys that would go. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's so guys great. that want to help people, yeah. but like, when I joined, the crowd was like so happy that I was there. That's so sweet. Yeah, it was so cool. And it was hanging out with a bunch of cool old people. Um, and there were some younger people. And there was actually a gal, uh, I believe she was from China, and she wasn't good at speaking English. And so she'd go to Toastmasters to practice public speaking and work on her English. So it was a hmm. cool mix of... That's so cool. Yeah, it was a cool mix of people. Um, but that actually definitely helped me. Because you, oh, yeah. you'd have to like prep speeches. And it was like just on shit that you found interesting or, you know, your little speech that you wanted yeah. to put together. But, but you were just essentially practicing public yeah. speaking, which yeah. was something that 
made you stressed or gave you anxiety. Yeah. And it was yeah. cool too. Cause they had, they had different forms of, um, like how to practice. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you'd have a prepared speech, but then they'd also have like, you'd have to speak off the cuff about something for two minutes. Oh. And so they'd point someone into the, in the crowd and you'd have to get up in front of 20 people and speak about the topic. They told you for two minutes. So that's it was so kind of cool. cool practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's super awesome. So, but I think it really helped with that anxious feeling that I would get. So, yeah. yeah. Well, look at you now. I mean, I guess you're kind of public speaking. No way. This is not the, the, talking to one, <laughs> talking to one person is way different than talking in front of 60 people. I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I think everyone deals, you know, if you, if you haven't done a lot of public speaking, mm-hmm. I think, I think people struggle with it for sure. Yeah. Which like, like my dad at his retirement party, he had to talk in front of like a hundred people and he, he said afterwards, he's like, I fucking hate that. Like I did not want to do it. And he said he held the microphone super close to his chest <laughs> so people wouldn't see his hand like shaking. Oh. But it's like, I didn't even notice that. Uh-huh. Like it was an awesome speech and he gave this cool thank you to everyone. And um, like I would have never known, but yeah, but he experiences it too, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. I remember when um, we were planning our wedding, we uh, talked about like, Obviously, it was like someone needs to like give a speech and like say thank you to everyone for coming. And I was like, well, Tristan, like, you know, like traditionally it's the man that does it. And he's like, I can't do it. (laughs) And I was like, no, I know you. I know you. I'll do it because I just know he would just be like, thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Des, what do you want to say? Yeah. So there are just some people that but I mean, he's I like he just does not like unless he's really comfortable with everybody. Uh, I think public speaking for him is something, but I'm the person I'm like total opposite. Yeah. Not that I like love and like look, seek out public speaking opportunities, but yeah, I don't mind. I speaking. think people, people who enjoy public speaking to me, I, I feel like they might they have... like listening to themselves talk. Totally. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what I, exactly what I was going to say. Some of these meetings I used to go to, it's like. I don't know, very self-aggrandizing and look at me type of stuff. So yeah. um, I think one of the things that that is cool about owning the CrossFit gym mm-hmm. is coaching classes. Yes. It, it It's almost like you learn, okay, am I talking too much? Am yes. I not talking enough? You have to lead everyone through. It's, it's like well, you have and, to. And when you're coaching too, you have to be very like explicit when you are Demon, like demonstrating and talking about because you can't just be like I mean you really have to like I don't know it's it's just so different like I when I l- listen to someone coach I'm like oh I never would have thought of it that way yeah to say it that way but that's also why I'm not a CrossFit coach like I'd <laughs> well, be you, like you do would... a deadlift and they'd be like how I'd be like just like this this is how you do it I yeah. don't know well you learn like I was so nervous for our first class like first of all just because we were opening up our own business yes and I wanted it to be successful, but I practiced so much yeah. in the garage. I think I would totally practice too. Yeah, I practiced a ton. And I think that's why like we were able to do as well as we did starting out. Um, I got an email. That's why. I need to turn off my email notification. Does that actually like, show up on the... No, no. Oh. It's, o- it's only we can hear it. If people like, oh. don't know what we're talking about, it just did a we little, heard. A little Spencer noise. Spencer got a email. I got an email. I actually... I was going to plug this on the podcast this time but um so i i just think practicing 
makes it like if you make your practice very hard and stressful, it'll make once you actually have to do it, your it'll make it yeah, yeah super easy. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that email may have been from my buddy Sam, who him and my other buddy Tyler. They're raising money for the Children's Home Society in Boise and the Ronald McDonald House. Oh, are they the guys that are running those yep. four or five miles or every four hours or something? What is it? They're running four miles every, every four, four hours. hours for 48 hours. Oh, my gosh. That's so they're, cool. psych- they're psychopaths. But do, they're, they, do they like running? Are they runners? Or are no, they just they, guys that are like... They're both tall defensive linemen but mm-hmm. they're they're both very skinny now like they they lost yeah. a bunch of weight after football and i know they've been training for it they've both run roby creek mm. um but i just think it's cool that That's they're so cool. they're yeah. doing that to raise money for those things yeah. so i'm plugging them right now sam mccaskill and tyler horn go on their instagrams and i posted it on facebook too mm-hmm. um some links so, That's so cool. crossfit composure donated some money to it oh my god yeah totally cfc <laughs> um yeah, I, I I think it's awesome that you're you're talking about it and you're open with it because I I I talk to a bunch of football guys and I think that that's where my reach could be and mm-hmm. um, it's just funny guys don't get direction when they're done you know no I think men in general like mental health awareness or it's anything of that sort is like not I don't know it it's not talked about as much and I also think that we are too hard on men as a society when in reality you guys are also people too and you have feelings and I mean I've I like recently went through something that was very difficult for our family and um my dad took his life on July 11th so just about a month and a half ago yeah and um you know I think it's very to hear like people say like how could he do that to his family like how could he let you guys down and i think it's because i mean none of us i mean i don't know it's it's hard for me to hear people say that because i'm like well none of us were dependent on him and also he was he's a person and he like was responsible for himself and so i get like how could he do that to us because emotionally it 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 destroyed us and it will continue to but at the end of the day i mean he was in that horror like he was in that much pain that that is that's what he chose to do and for him that was how he knew how to stop the pain and i mean you have to think that the that's how bad that the pain was that you know he'd been on a handful of prescription meds for mental illness um and had also been seeing a psych so it's not like he didn't give anything a shot it's just that the pain was so unbearable that that's how he chose that's the only way that he knew how to make it stop and if you've ever experienced emotional pain like that it's different than physical pain i mean we've all done a workout or gone on a long hike and been sore the next day but emotional pain is it's horrible I mean and it's something that we don't know how to stop and I think a lot of times I can speak from experience that going through that emotional pain you feel like you have two options it's that you end your life or you just go to sleep because it's when your brain stops 
And, um, I, you know, my dad was 55 years old and he had spent a lot of his life being like just battling his, I mean, he was battling himself and for him when he decided he, I mean, that was, that was the way that he knew to just finally make it stop. I feel like he thought that he did, that he had exhausted all of his resources and, I guess if you try and find a silver lining of everything that's happened is that he's no longer hurting. So we're taking the pain from one person and that pain is now being shared amongst my sisters and I. And in some in crazy way, we're honored to carry that pain for him because he's no longer hurting and... He had been hurting for many, many years. And you just have to think that somebody that was hurting that bad, they, I know he didn't want that, but it's truly, I feel like it's what he needed. He needed and he's at peace now. And I know people say he's at peace and he's not hurting anymore, but it really is true. I mean, he was hurting so bad. And he he chose to make that pain stop. And like I said, now we're we're all hurting. And so, you know, when you say that you want to spend time with your parents, it's the best advice that I could give to anybody is to pick up the phone to spend time with them because I I didn't expect I mean I knew my dad had been struggling so when I found out unfortunately it wasn't a complete shock to me but I mean you don't expect to be 30 years old and have your 55 year old dad pass away and now I will forever carry and have conversations where people say how's your dad or oh what's your dad doing and I have to say he passed and you know then you get people who say oh what happened and I feel that a lot of what I can share with people is I'm not going to I'm not going to be shy about how he passed because it's true. It's really what happened to him. And I want people to know that things like this, it, it it's real. It happens. And my family and I are being affected by it. But I'm choosing to talk about it as much as it's sometimes very difficult for me to talk about because no one wants to talk about that their father passed because he took his own life. But I feel like it's helping educate people in some way that this is something that's real and it does happen. And my dad didn't do this for any other reason than he wanted the pain to stop. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you're very mature to handle it the way you're handling it. And I think it's awesome that you've been open with it because um, it tr- it truly truly 
kicked me in the butt to start paying more attention to my parents. Yeah. Um, you know, I know my dad's dealt with some stuff, um, especially since he got done with the fire department uh-huh. and, you know, my mom recently stopped drinking and I mean, they're, they're going through, it, it's like <laughs> people who try to like chase happiness Mm-hmm. And they think that they're going to get to a destination where they're just going to be happy all the time is ridiculous in my mind because I look to my parents and I look to my parents as role models because they, I feel like they did an awesome job raising us as kids. But I also look to them to bring me down a little bit mm-hmm. back to earth because if you're chasing happiness all the time, you're, you're going to get more depressed than anyone because you're never going to reach that point. I look at my parents and when they're happy, they're really happy. They enjoy their happiness, um, but they still experience other emotions. And they're both my parents are, you know, early sixties and, um, you know, they still get in arguments. They still get sad about things. They still get angry about things. And it's like, like you said, you experience emotions. Like that's part of being human. And I, I try to embrace my emotions too. Yeah. Like I kind of like being pissed off sometimes. So do I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I and actually enjoy a lot of times I enjoy being sad because I actually get a lot out of a good cry. Yeah. Like I actually, there are times where I'm like, oh, I just want to cry. But I like, I can't. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to cry because I know after I feel so much better. Yeah. And I think embracing that. It's funny you said that you like, look at your parents and then you realize like oh there are people that like they still fight they're you know they're they're still just regular people i think they're fucking normal they're normal normal. and i think a lot of times we grow up as kids and we look at those adults in our lives whether they're our parents or guardians or people we look up to and you know you just imagine yourself like you're this small child and you're looking up at your parent and you're just like oh man you're just like this adult and you're invincible and you're perfect and then when my dad passed, I realized, oh, fuck. Like, my dad's just a no- Like, he's my dad, but he's also just a regular person. Yeah. And in that mode, he wasn't like, I'm the dad. He was like, I am Mike Gibb. I'm the person that I'm... I'm a struggling person, and I'm depressed, and I, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And it kind of, like, sets you back a little bit when you, like, take a look in the mirror, and you're like, God... Like, my parents are just regular people, and they're not invincible as much as they might portray or we want them to be because that's that's what we think when we grow up. We're like, our parents drive us places when we're kids. They pay for everything. They, like, keep a roof over our head. And, and then something tragic happens, and you're like, well, like, so much of me was like, why, Dad? Why? But at the end of the day, like, I, I try and separate. I'm like he's my dad but he also was like just a a normal like human being too and he was he was struggling and you know you sometimes you have to like try and separate as hard as that is like it's so hard for me but sometimes i just have to separate like my dad from who he like who he is outside of being a dad because Mm -hmm. they're two totally different people yeah yeah i uh I don't know. I, I feel like I've had such a cool relationship with my father and it wasn't until recently that I had that revelation about him that mm-hmm. it, he's just a normal guy that 
Mm-hmm. You know, him and him and my mom were, you know, trying to have a good life for us as kids. And mm-hmm. my dad worked his ass off and worked overtime at his job. My mom stayed home with the kids in like trailers and stuff while they were building houses together. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it, like the stuff that that my parents went through and sacrificed for us. It's I've realized recently how fucking cool it is and like how much I owe them and what they went through. Um, and my mom stayed home with the kids for a very long time. And I like, I don't know why it's looked down upon in society Mm -hmm. in certain situations where like a stay at home mom isn't like respected or whatever, because my, my mom, I, I look at the stuff she did for us as kids and always taking care of three children. My dad was away for multiple days on shift at work. Yep. Um, hours away and then even when we moved to Boise he was commuting back to California yeah and my mom made us lunches for school Mm -hmm. she would write a note on every like every napkin every single day um picking us up taking us uh to practice all those things coordinating stuff for us um it's just I don't know the stuff they went through for us I don't know why it took me so long to realize how freaking cool it, it is um but yeah, I, I, it wasn't until my dad and I sat down recently that I had that revelation that they're just normal people and they had to figure shit out just like my wife and I are now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's cool to go ask, um, to be able to go ask for advice and know that they went through the same shit I'm going through right now. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. And that's what, like, I love that you had like prefaced at the beginning of one of your podcasts that like call your parents because Honestly, like I had talked to my dad the day before he passed and I mean, he called us every Friday and I had talked to him and then it was a little over 12 hours, almost like 24 hours later that I had gotten the news. Yeah. So it can really truly like happen, whether it's by someone's choice or you know, in some other way that your parents pass or anybody really in your life. It, I think it just like really grounds you and it's a bummer that it takes something like that to put it into perspective that you need to appreciate like the people that are in your life because I wish I could do that because I, I sit there and I, I rationalize or try to in my head. I'm like, what if I would have called like that day? Like what if I would have called him that Saturday would the situation or the outcome would have been different? Like, what if I had, like, asked him to, like, move in with us or something? I mean, you you, you could just get down, like, this crazy rabbit hole and thinking, like, what could I have done different? But I know that I couldn't have saved him, but I gladly I would have in any way that I could have, whether it was me calling three times a week instead of one yeah, or whatever it may be. I would have gladly have done that, but you know, I mean it, it's, it's not my responsibility. At the end of the day, like everyone is responsible for themselves and you know, it's so hard because my dad was my best friend and a lot of it doesn't really seem real right now. And I, I know it's only been like a month and a half, but 
so much of it doesn't seem real that come Christmas and birthdays and, you know, his birthday that he won't be there. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's like so, so it's just so insane that he, I don't know. It just feels weird. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm still in this, like, part of the grief process where i'm sort of like in shock and there are moments i mean obviously uh, don't get me wrong like there have been so many moments that i've been like just completely distraught but well we debbie and i came over and chatted with you guys Mm -hmm. i don't know when that was a week or two ago um and i liked the conversation we had about you know, whether it's funerals or um, Christmas or a birthday or whatever, mm-hmm. when you get your family together, it's it's cool to be able to all get together and goof around and tell stories. And I think that that, especially at funerals, you know, obviously you'll get yeah. sad and people give a eulogy and all those mm-hmm. things. But sitting around and telling stories about people, I think, is yeah. is awesome for the grieving process. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I, um, my, my sister, so I have two sisters and one lives here and the other one lives in Montana. So they, her and her family, uh, came up here for the weekend. So we spent Friday through Sunday together. And, um, one of the reasons why she came up here is because we needed to go through all of my dad's stuff. Mm. Um, everything that he had, like, I guess materialistic wise was at my like our house and so we needed to go through everything and it's funny I was almost sort of like dreading that process because I mean it's like you're going through everything you're touching is a reminder of that person I mean we're going through like clothing we're going through like pictures we're going through like notes and stuff and I mean we're just going through box and box and box and I was just dreading it because I'm like if I open that box, like it's going to smell like him. It's, it's just going to remind me of him. But it actually was like one of the most like therapeutic things to do. And my sisters and I found ourselves like, I mean, I was joking with them because my sisters and I are, we're all smart asses, but I was like holding things up and like auctioning them off to my sisters. Cause they were like, they it would be like, and here we have a like another tie. Yeah. Does anyone want these? <laughs> and everyone's like, no, like yeah. we don't want this tie. But then we would get to things and we it would kind of like stop us in our tracks. And it really was like such a good way to like honor my dad by going through like pictures of him, even when he was like a kid. I mean, I mean, my dad kept like everything. So it was amazing. It's basically like we were like went through like his entire like childhood like we could see pictures of him like notes he was in the navy and he had kept like all of his like like notebooks of everything that he while he was going through like training and um so it was cool to be able to like i don't know just go through that with my sisters and it it, honestly like i don't even think a single tear was shed like we were laughing and like um I don't know. It just was like such a like positive and happy moment and memory. And like you said, I think it's like one of the best ways to like honor somebody. And I know that people say like, that's what they would want you to do. Like they'd want you to smile and not cry. But I really, I really do think it is true. Like I, I, my sisters and I have so many happy memories of my dad and it's hard to not let what happened overshadow 
Yeah, you can't let those. one moment define yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, you know what's cool? Um, my mom and her sisters, I think they're each I think they're each two years apart, but mm-hmm. my mom's the youngest. And seeing the three of them get together is so cool nowadays. Yeah. And it's rare when the three of them are like together. Mm-hmm. But somewhat recently, I don't know when it was. I don't I don't think it was when my grandmother passed away. I think it was a little bit after that. But the three of them were at my parents' house and they were like in the corner, like giggling together about something. And I, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, God, they, like I could almost see them as, as like kids. high schoolers yeah, yeah, yep, in yeah. laughing at my grandpa getting yeah. pissed off at them or something. <laughs> it was just so cool to experience, you know, seeing the three of them just be sisters. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sisters are pretty rad. You, yeah. You guys are going to, I don't know. You guys are going to be friends forever. Yeah. It's funny. Like growing up, we... I mean, my dad grew up in a house with four women. Like, (laughs) God bless him. Because none of us have, like, all of us have, like, strong personalities in some way. So I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I cannot even imagine. And so we weren't really, like, friends growing up. It was kind of like, you know, your teenage hormones and, like, bickering and stealing each other's clothes. And now that we've all, like, left the house and grown up a little bit more like honestly like my sisters are my best friends and that's like I don't I I'm sure there's people that can't say that their siblings are their best friends I know you can say the same thing like totally you and all like your sisters are so close and I think that it's like so special to have that and I don't know yeah Yeah, you you know it's cool and I, I think I've talked about this before but my oldest sister Jenny um, she and I disagree about a lot of stuff, Yeah. but what's cool is she and I can disagree and have a very mature conversation That's awesome. for like hours and then we can hug each other and then yeah. go drink beer. Like yeah. it's, it's such a cool relationship. And then, um, Jenny, my oldest sister went away to college, but Abby and I went to the same college mm-hmm. together and she and I like looked after each other when we were in college. Like, Oh we, Yeah. When in high school we fucking hated each other, <laughs> and like I hated her friends, like Annie Watkins. You'd... I hated oh, Annie, but really, now she didn't really like you, anyways, did she? No, she, no. We we butted, <laughs> I was like sorry if I'm just telling you. No, this, we, <laughs> we butted heads all the time, but now it's like Annie's such a cool person. Oh, I like love her. we're yeah. friends now. But Abby and I, once we got to college, I think we realized like, oh shit, we got to look after each other. Like there's bad people out yeah. there. Yeah, there's assholes that might roofie her drink or whatever. Yes. And so when we go to parties together, like I'd look after her and it always kind of worked out where if she was drinking, I wasn't drinking. And yeah. then if I was drinking, she wasn't drinking. Yeah. And then we'd drive each other home. And it was just like a cool relationship to have through those years in college. And I think now it's like, I don't know. I was reminiscing a little bit because I'm officiating Abby and Ross's wedding Oof. and I was writing some stuff down and it was just cool thinking about, you know, all Abby, all what Abby and I have been through together. So, yeah, I, yeah. my sister, my youngest sister was supposed to get married, uh, at the end of July and we both canceled our weddings just because of everything that's going on. And, uh, they, I was going to officiate their wedding. Too, oh, yeah. So we're both officiants. Oh yeah. Say. I was supposed to do two this <laughs> spring and both of them got canceled because of COVID. God damn. Yeah. I was going to use the first one as a practice one for, 
for Abby's. <laughs> <laughs> so if you just totally butchered it, you're like, don't do that. Don't say that. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This is my first round. No, like, <laughs> I was I was so stoked because, uh, yeah, my buddy wasn't having a wedding party. One of my mm. best friends from high school. And he asked me to officiate it. And I was like, dude, that's like the nicest, coolest thing. And he was the best man at my wedding. So Zach. Zach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they were going to do it in Delaware. And then all the old people started canceling. And then, <laughs> then there was the nobody young... left in their wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They invited a bunch of old people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I hope that they do have a ceremony at some point because I'd like to be a part of it but yeah um, you're t- putting your toastmasters to work yeah yeah, yeah. Hey. Um, well if i have a script that's easy if you have to like answer questions off the cuff oh, that's yeah, way yeah, harder yeah, yeah that's true um but you guys had to cancel your wedding abby had to cancel hers megan had to cancel hers blah 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 everyone yeah um was it stressful like did you did you guys have a shitload planned out already or Yes and no. So we, I mean, we had like the venue. I had gotten my dress. Um, We, our wedding was supposed to be September 12th. And we can't, we, well, it was like when COVID started happening and then it kind of got bad. We were like, okay, we need to make a decision at least three months before. And we just like wouldn't ever talk about it because we were hoping that things would change. Yeah. And then finally we were like, okay, we sat down one weekend. I remember we have like, okay, this is my, some of my friends, my sister makes fun of me, but I have friends that do this because they followed Sue. Tristan and I are really busy people because we're so cool. (laughs) Uh, but we have a shared calendar. Okay. And like you guys have one that you like hand write on. Or is yeah, that really and that's, shared? that's mostly to see like when Debbie's working. Okay. Well, Tristan and I have it just cause it's like, it makes us sound like we don't communicate, but we do. But it's like, someone will be like, Oh, do you guys want to like do something on Friday? And I'll look at the calendar. Oh, I'll be yeah. like, okay, Tristan's not going to be like with his friends playing poker or my sister isn't coming into town. Uh, Oh, shit, I forgot my trailer. Well, I think that's awesome. It's but the best thing in the entire world. I don't sh- remember why I was talking Shared about calendar, that. wedding, canceling oh, the wedding. I put it on the shared calendar. Like, oh. we need to make a decision today. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I knew we would have to order, like, postpone the date type things. And mm-hmm. so then we just sat down and we're like, are things going to get better or are they going to get worse? And we were just like, let's just postpone it. Um, so it wasn't horrible, like... Everything we had put down a deposit on besides the venue didn't give us like our money back. Everybody else gave us our money back, which was really nice. I mean, we'd had like the food all planned out. Like I bought a bunch of decor, wedding dress was ready to go. And so, I don't know, we've been together for so long that it was like, wasn't the end of the world to us. And also we were like, do we want to have a wedding in the midst of a pandemic where like people don't feel comfortable? Like our whole wedding was... We like to we like to party, so it was like we we I mean our venue, all of our guests were going to stay on site. Like they each had their own little like cabin. It was like going to summer camp, so everyone had like their own place to stay with a door, mm-hmm. and because we wanted everyone to spend the night, we wanted everyone to party and then just stumble off to bed. Yeah. So we were like, do we want to have people that we want to pay all this money and then have people be like, I gotta go home or like I'm not coming, and so we just decided that. We'd postpone it. So it wasn't the worst thing for us. Um, And I think it was the same for my sister. Like it was, they had like their grandparents were canceling and it was like people that you didn't 
want to miss out. So, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, I, I ha- we cried. We had our moments where we were like, oh, man, like our wedding isn't happening. Because, I mean, everyone's like, you're so excited when you, you know, get set engaged and you set. And we had planned so much. Like we had gone as far as to like we'd sent out like the invitations and like my dress was ready and it was kind of like oh man we've regressed so much but i mean there really was nothing we could do about it and we i mean we bought a house so that's like getting married yeah modern day getting married yeah buy a house together yeah so yeah that's what i that's what i tell everyone it's like well i signed this other contract (laughs) called a mortgage that like is more binding than yeah (laughs) and it's hell expensive like (laughs) dude we god we thought there was going to be so many perks to getting married and there's like there's really i've heard that there's not really that many perks like like, are your taxes better when you're separate yeah if you filed on your own i think we would have saved some cash so i'm not filing what you're saying (laughs) and then um like we thought we were going to save money on our insurance didn't you didn't really no it was going to be more expensive to put our insurances together but we both work for the same organization so i don't know if that has something to do with it um but yeah i don't know it was like i don't know why the fuck does the state have to get involved like on your personal shit Mm -mm. i mean some people opt just not to get married and they just stay with someone you know i feel like and we it's funny people like what are you gonna like do like what are you guys gonna do and i'm like I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. Like, also, it's really hard to like plan a wedding right now because nobody knows what like the foreseeable future is going to look like. So, I mean, I don't know. We yeah. just haven't really thought about it. Do you know where you guys were going to honeymoon? So we did. We had so we had like a pre honeymoon. I guess we. So Tristan's dad has like a bunch of like timeshares, and we were going to go to Banff oh, in December. Cool. Um as kind of like a just like send us off somewhere since we were getting married in September. And then we wanted to travel somewhere like, I guess Canada's international, but more like international. Um, across the pond. Across the pond. Yeah, we wanted to. <laughs> but we hadn't decided yet. And then I was like, yeah. Yeah. No, we're not traveling. Anymore. Where would you like to go? Uh, Is there anything like on your list? I really wanted to go to like Amsterdam and then part of me also wanted to go to like uh, Fiji or somewhere. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I just wanted to go somewhere cool. Yeah. I've only been out of the country once and it was to Canada. And I went for my 30th birthday last year. Tristan did like a surprise trip. Like he, it's like, we're going to go to Canada. And I was like, okay, yay. And we flew from Boise to SeaTac and we got off the plane and when we got there at the gate, Trevor and Angel, which Trevor is Tristan's brother and Angel is uh, Trevor's girlfriend, they were sitting there and they had like backpacks and like birthday party hats on. And I was like, oh, what are you guys doing here? I was like, are you guys flying to Boise? And they're like, dude, we were on the plane with you. <laughs> and I was like, what? So when we had walked on, Tristan was like, dist- and I'm kind of like easily distracted. So he was like, oh, uh, look at that over there. And we had like walked right past them because oh, we yeah. sat in the back of the plane Yeah, and they were there, but they had like switched hats or something to yeah. try and like hide from us. <laughs> but I off. like walked out and I was like, oh, hey guys. I was like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, we're going to Canada with you. I was like, 
huh? <laughs> but we're in Seattle. Like, I'm so confused. So, so did you know that you were going to Canada? I knew I was going to Canada. I think. Yeah, because I had to get my passport. Yeah. I'd never been out of the country. And so I was like, I want to get my passport. I want to go somewhere for my 30th birthday out of the country. And I was like, let's go to Canada because the Sluder boys really like hockey. And... um I was like, well, let's just go there. It'll be like an easy trip. Like we could do kind of like a little weekend thing. So yeah, I knew we were going. We went to Vancouver, Canada, um, and we stayed in this like a really cool like downtown loft. Like it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Canada. It's actually really cool. I I love it. Like it just reminded me a lot of like downtown Boise where we stayed. Yeah. Um, but it was really I I loved it so much. Like it was amazing. That yeah. It was I didn't couldn't complain about anything. And I mean, we just kind of checked out a bunch of like we went to like a nhl game um and then just drank a lot of beer yeah. canadian beer and molson yeah did you have molson yes molson yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. so we had it's like yeah. the canadian Coors yeah <laughs> it is yeah it was good yeah um yeah i i think canada is kind of like the united states where it's like it totally is, yeah. yeah where you're like oh i went to the united states and it's like well did you go to montana or did you go to yeah. florida <laughs> like they're two yeah. totally different yeah. places yeah. and i think canada's got a ton of different stuff like that but i want to go to banff for sure my wife and i've been to glacier um Mm. and i know that banff is kind of like an extension of glacier um but yeah i i would love to do a road trip from like seattle up to alaska yeah my sister i i'm so bummed i never like went to go see her when she lived in alaska so her husband is in the air force and they moved from Boise to Alaska, and they lived in North Pole, Ooh, Alaska. I know a couple of people from there. You do? Yeah. yeah. I played football with them. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I never got to, like, it's not that I didn't get to it. I never did. I never went and saw her when she lived there. And I'm so bummed because from everything that she tells me, and that's where they want to retire. Like, they, they don't want to retire in Boise, which I'm kind of offended, but... <laughs> Because I have nephews, but they want to retire in Alaska, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's it's so interesting, like the stories that she's told me, and the that also the type of people in Alaska. Yeah, Alaska is very intriguing to me because it's so freaking huge. It's like overwhelming for me to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's eight national parks in Alaska. Debbie and I just Ooh. got our national park pass Ooh. for the year. Yeah. And so it's like we're planning all the places to go. That's so cool. And there's some that are like very accessible in Alaska. Yeah. And then there's like there's like three that you can't even get to. Like you have to hire a private pilot to take you there. Like it's ridiculous. Weird. Um, but the fact that there's that kind of wilderness in Alaska, it's like overwhelming. It's like scary to me. Yeah. They they love it because my brother in law is like such like an avid hunter, but they had to move. So the only reason that they moved was when my sister was pregnant with my nephew, uh, his intestines were growing outside of his oh, stomach. Okay. And to get to the doctor, it was there was no one that like specialized in which it's I mean, my nephew's totally fine. He just his belly button looks fine, so it's like specialized. Like, I feel it just, like that, isn't that kind of a common thing? It is to, common, yeah. but it was took so long to get to the doctor yeah. that they were like, "Well, your baby could be at risk, and there's not really a doctor here, Jesus. so we're gonna move you." So then they moved him to California. Gotcha. Yeah, but I you'd move a hunter to California. There's hunting in like yeah. Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There, yeah, I guess there's pros and cons about living places like that. But 
I would I don't think I'd ever live like so far off the grid that I'm like that far from stuff, but mm-hmm. I get why people get sick of like the city and stuff. Yeah. Um I don't know. It's like overwhelming and people worry about stupid shit. I know. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't so. know. There's something in, intriguing and like I think it's just like freeing. Like yeah. a lot of people get to that point in their lives where yeah. they're like, fuck this. I'm gonna go live in the wilderness for a while. Or yeah. like just get off the grid or um Yeah. You know, I want to go. I, I would love to go live in a different country for six months, maybe, just to experience it. Yeah. Because you get so caught up in like your own life here, and you think everything revolves around. No. Yeah, and it it doesn't. It yeah. would be so different, like living in a different country. Yeah. I wanted. I want to travel more. I I grew up in a family like we did not travel a lot, so the thought of traveling like scared me so much because it was so out of my comfort zone. So, like, even me, like, going to Canada, I was like, oh, I'm yeah. scared. Yeah. Like, I'm going out of the United States. But then going there, I'm like, oh, shit, this is cool. Like, why haven't I done this more? And I think it's one of those things that, I mean, people always say, it, like, spending your money on traveling, like, it's the best way to, like, Hell the yeah. best thing to put yes. your money toward. Yeah. And I just have not, like, done, like, any traveling, really. I mean, I've been to, like, all the connecting states to Idaho except for... Wyoming, Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. Connects. I haven't been to Wyoming. Gotcha. <laughs> so. Well, I, I. I haven't been to Wyoming, but I've been to <laughs> all the other connecting states. I. Uh, I think people don't realize that like anyone can travel, and I have a ton of friends that are like, I don't really ever want to leave the U.S. And it's like, do you know how cool it is to like go somewhere that? I think that's what they don't know. They don't know. They don't know how cool it is. Yeah. They don't know like what's out there. And I think that we miss out on so many of those like opportunities. And then we're like too old or like we have things that we feel like bind us to not be able to travel. And that's, I want to do that like so bad. Yeah. And that's what, that's my biggest bummer about COVID is the lack of being able to travel. Cause we had so many plans to do stuff this year. Yeah. You guys had to cancel a couple trips, a couple of trips. Um, But I don't know. It's, People do it all the time. Like I hear about people that go to like Southeast Asia all the time. And, and I look at those people and I'm like, why is it so anxiety inducing? Or like, I think it's going to be so scary to do it, but so many people do it. They figure it out. They're able to come back. Like, um, unless you're traveling to like some crazy country that is like war torn or something yeah. there's like not a lot to worry about right it's the same stuff you'd have to worry about going to like new york city like don't uh-huh. don't go out in a dark alley at two in the morning yeah. like I, it's just common sense stuff you know yeah but i don't know there's like i love the sense of adventure of um like going to an atm and getting out different money yeah. and it's like part of the adventure is figuring out okay like 60 of How these is about a dollar yeah. yeah yeah and then like when my wife and i did a road trip through europe we got we went through so many different countries and switched currencies so many times yeah that it was like we didn't even give a shit by the end of it it <laughs> was like, like did we make it was like is it, i think we lost some yeah, money is it like four per <laughs> or 60 like i don't remember i don't know just give it to them yeah. let's just pay but yeah. it's part of travel too that i like and it's the same thing, like, why I want to go to Alaska. It'll make me read more about Alaska. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm in a place, I want to know more about it. Right. Yeah, so, you want to experience it in its fullest. Yeah. And then yeah. you, it'll spark things in your mind about 
shit that you never thought you would have thought about. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, dude. What? We just hit an hour and 30 minutes. Like, I know. Right when we looked at it. I know. Yes. So, right. um, so we're at that point. <laughs> so we're coming up are on you, an hour and a half. Are you, are you prepared? Okay, cool. So I've been giving people the last word on the podcast. So, Des, the floor is yours. Uh, to end this podcast, I would like everyone to, after you're done with this, your phone's in your hand, you're listening to us on some form of device, call your parents. Call your loved ones. Call anyone who means anything to you, whether you think that they will answer or not. Because you will not regret calling them and tell them how much that they mean to you and uh, how much you care for them. And it's odd for us to sometimes pick up the phone nowadays, but I think it's something that is such a lost act that um, if you can do anything today, it's don't text them, call them and tell them how much whoever that person is, how much that you love them and how much they mean to you. Awesome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. All right.